Today's episode is brought to you by Sadie Harper of Interior Harmony. The Colby A index, I don't have time to go into a lot of depth about it, but what it really defines is your comfort zones. And since we already talked about how you're probably not going to have a lot of growth inside your comfort zone, you're probably not going to make a lot of changes inside your comfort zone. So it would be really important to understand where they are. And that's not because like, I think you should live outside your comfort zone. If you lived outside your comfort zone, then that would be your new comfort zone. (laughs) But, but, you know, but, but like, it's good to understand where it is so that you know when you're out of it and you know you're allowed to go back in it and recuperate. Yes. Thank you for listening to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. Visit girlswhodostuff.com. You probably shouldn't Google that. Oh, welcome to the Girls Who Do Stuff. I am Jenny Midgley. I am Sarah Madras. And this is a show where you come as you are with the courage to speak up and tell a better story. (laughs) Can you please introduce our... I would love to introduce our guest today, who is a dear friend of mine, an amazing human being, Scott Moore, who is a business coach, but like another level business coach. I'll let him explain it. He used to do some cool shit and then he got tired of doing the cool shit and went on to do cooler shit. I'm going to put it on my business card. (laughs) I Um, used to do cool shit. Now I do cooler shit. 80% more cool shit than ever before. There it is. (laughs) So Scott, you are a business coach. Can you narrow it down? What is your zone of genius, my friend? That's a great question. I'm going to tell it to you the way a client put it to me. And this, I haven't decided to put on my business card, but maybe by the end of this conversation, I'll change my mind. A client of mine said, Scott, what you really are is a life coach for business owners Mm -hmm. because you care as much about whether my wife is happy with me or I get to see my kid's baseball game as you do about what my profit and loss statement looks like. Yes, yes. I love that. That is a life coach for businesses. That's like you with your business therapist. Exactly. And I love your story too, because my title was given to me by a client, by Mm -hmm. somebody I was doing Innovate Fuquay with. There's some synchronicities here. Yep. Mm -hmm. And it was a weekend of mentorship. And they were like, Sarah, you're a business therapist because you're doing the therapy part of like getting my life in order so that I can show up in my business and get in my business in order and strategy. Our clients give us all the answers. They can... Preach for us better than we can. They can. Yep. They absolutely can. Yep. I, I've actually said before, like, I need to carry some of mine around in my pocket yep. just for when I'm having those days. I think that's about. what Bill Davis calls uh, bring your own sand to the beach. Really? Tell us more about that. Yeah, I've never heard him say that. So please explain this further. Well, I mean, he may say it in different contexts. One of the one of the ways I've heard him talk about it is like, if you're going to ha- if you're going to do a presentation at a networking event. Stack the event with a bunch of people who already love you, invite <laughs> your clients because you want to have a good time and you want to be looking out into an audience of faces that you know are already fans. Bring your own sand to the beach means don't have it be a question of whether it's going to be fun. Make it be fun. Yep. Oh, yeah. got it. I got like it. that. Yep. Love it. What are you seeing right now is the thing that people are struggling with most Because I feel like it's the integration of the personal and the business. So what are you seeing? 
Well, lots of things. I mean, you know, individualization is one of my top strengths and every every client, every business um, has different challenges. I spent most of 2019 talking to my clients about trying to build a cash reserve. And my reason for that was because, first of all, I think it helps you sleep better at night. So there's the, the life coachy part. The other thing is, you know, I was starting to hear a lot of noises from people especially in the real estate industry saying, oh, you know, we might be starting to see home values leveling out a little bit. We might be starting to anticipate some recession in 2020. And now I'm like, oh boy, we didn't <laughs> fully grasp what that was going to look like, did we? But, and you know, some of my clients were in a position to really sock away some cash and make sure that on a rainy day or a rainy quarter, you know, that they had the ability to to weather it without it completely disrupting their business operations. And some some places were not in as much of a position to to sock that away because they were still in, in like a growth and reinvestment mode. It's certainly been one of the things that I'm glad I took some focus on last year because the clients that were able to execute that have had a much easier time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't mean that they haven't also had to be creative about how to apply technology, how to continue to do sales, how to continue to attract new clients in a, a very challenging environment, but at least they weren't in total panic mode. You can't get to that place of innovation and creativity when you're in survival mode. Right. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If people are in a scramble all the time, there's no possibility of them taking a breath and having the step back and perspective that is needed in order to, you know, envision a better future for the business. It's just like, they'll just keep doing terrible practices now because they're ones that at least that they've know, they know how to do. Right. Yep. Right. Is it because they, they're just not capable of planning ahead because they're just going from task to task, to task, to task, or is it that, they are just afraid to plan ahead. And I don't even think it's the, the it's there. I think it's war because we are all going to be in that position or have all been in that position at some place in but our we business. Are. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that distinction. Sorry. But like this, the question <laughs> still remains, is it because whether it's we, they, us, our, <laughs> your, my, whatever, whomever, is it because? Well, the there was creating a disconnect and a hierarchy rather than a connection. We never want it to be an an us versus them. (laughs) I'm just saying I was, but I was framing the question as our business owners in general, (laughs) you know what? Fuck it. (laughs) I give up. I don't I'm think sorry, not sorry. Though, because I, I do I, think it needed to be said. So one of my favorite parts of having this podcast, right, is like Sarah will invite people that I don't know, and I invite people that Sarah doesn't know well, and then they get to experience us together. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll live up to the hype. <laughs> <laughs> I know she brags about you. I'm like, so what do you got to show us today, Scott? What's your story? <laughs> yeah, dance, monkey dance. That's what it felt like. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's Scott. What inspired your entrepreneurial journey? Oh, that's a great question. I don't like being told what to do. In the early, early 2000s, I was working as a commercial real estate appraiser. And at the time I was uh, in 2004, I was working with my best friend and we did not have a very diversified clientele. We were doing almost all 
work for municipalities and there was a big statewide budget crunch and a lot of our workload dried up. Mm -hmm. And he was like, man, I just don't have a lot of work to give you right now. And I fell backwards into my first business when a family friend of mine who owned at the time what was one of the largest court reporting services in North Carolina said, I need somebody to shoot videos for me. And we just sort of did the math. It didn't make a lot of sense for me to come work for her directly because the hours were incredibly irregular. And she's like, well, it's really hard to hire somebody to do this. So why don't you just start your own company and I'll just give all the work to you. And I said, oh, great. And it was a really, really stupid business for me to start. Um, But it was... (laughs) It was pretty lucrative and I, it only took me about two years to really start kind of hating it, but I did it for like six more years after that. But along the way, I, you know, I learned a lot about business, mostly the hard way, doing things dumb, you know, taking on the wrong clients, saying yes to the wrong things, Mm -hmm. not having enough systems, not having any sort of real marketing plan. And so I learned, you know, I worked it out, but when I reached the point where I realized I just do not enjoy this. And if I have to do this for another 30 years before I retire, then bad things will happen. Right. So luckily I, I got smacked upside the head by a buddy of mine. Who's like an executive coach up in the DC area. Shout out to Phil Dyer. If he ever happens to hear this podcast and he was like, I think you're a great entrepreneur, Scott. I think you're in the absolute wrong business and we should probably figure that out. And so- Don't you love friends like that? That'll Mm -hmm. just like tell it to you real, like give you the hard truth and, but it's for your best because they love you. I'll be honest and say that like anybody that won't do that for me is not actually really my friend. Yes, preach it. The way I define friendship is- Somebody who will call me on my bullshit. Yes. But isn't that also like such a life lesson? There's people that believe out there that your friends are like your yes men or yes women. Yeah. Or that you're not supposed to like upset the apple cart or you're not supposed to be able to have hard conversations Mm -hmm. or that having hard conversations because you're not accustomed to feeling those feelings is like that you're doing friendship wrong it's really helped me as an adult to kind of like redefine who I want to be as a friend and who I want in my circle. And it's those people that I can say, thank you for allowing me to have this hard conversation with you and show gratitude for like when they say, I know you're not going to like to hear this, but I can hear it anyway and not be mad. Mm -hmm. I think that that really is how we can define being an exceptional friend. I mean, I remember even back when Facebook first came out and where I was creating my profile back in 02, that is what I put on my profile. I was like, if you're here for a yes friend, it's not me. Because I don't want that oh, from other so people. Enlightened. Well, no. You're so wise beyond your years. I'm I just like, mean, I've never I wanted totally that. I totally just picked a that? background on my MySpace profile. Like, <laughs> what? I just like that, you know. Because I don't want that in my life. And so I love being around people who believe that same thing. You are, I think you are unique in that respect though, that you knew even back when, right? Like you knew how to define yourself and what you wanted from others. And a lot of people struggle with that even into their 60s, 70s, you know. Well, because that was before the fall. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was before my self-esteem took the blows. Oh, there you go. Oh, yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> we were so young and innocent back then. Exactly, right? exactly. <laughs> what you just said is so beautiful, Scott, where you're like, hey, if they are the yes people, they're not my people. Yep. Well, I mean, like, look, it doesn't mean that I can't, like, we can't be Facebook friends. It right. doesn't mean that we can't know each other. If you're really my friend, then you're not going to let me get away with being out of integrity. You're going to yep. call me on, you know, bad behaviors. If what you do is you have a bunch of people around you who only ever agree with you, you're kind of creating this crab bucket for yourself, right? Like, and as soon as you try to like ever elevate yourself out of any of those behaviors, they're going to be like, whoa, 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 where are you going? Yep. You know, drop back down because it's just sort of this mutual comfort society. Yeah. And like, I'm not very big on comfort. Totally. Brene calls those people your marble jar friends. Mm -hmm. We call them the inner circle. And so totally, it's like that inner circle people that are going to not only call you out or, you know, make help sure you you're grow. In, they're, yeah, they're there. They're helping help you grow. grow. Exactly. They're, the accountability there and not only like helping you, but like literally like boosting you up. Right. Because what are we sistering. not in this life for except to excel better than we did before? 100% agree. All right. I think we're done. No, I love it. <laughs> She's like, there, there's my input. I'm out. <laughs> What are your mental blocks that hold you back? Oh, goodness. You know, I hate to keep using this line, but like, how long do we have? You know, the, there's a few things like, was it last week? I think it was last week. Jenny did this great talk about imposter syndrome. I think it's absolutely rampant in the, you know, the entrepreneurial world, especially because a lot of us don't have like a piece of paper that says you're you're entitled to license to by the state of North Carolina or the, the U.S. government to do this thing you're doing. You have to prove yourself. And, and there's these voices in your head all the time that will tell you like, well, do you know, are you really proving yourself or, mm -hmm. you know, are people just being nice to you and all that kind of jazz. So I'm not good enough is a hundred percent a limiting belief that I've carried around with myself for a lot of my life. How do you move through that and still show up? as quickly as possible. I mean, <laughs> you know, like, so you just what, run you, from it. Right. You're like, you can't catch me. I mean, or you let I'm, it catch you and you're like, okay, I'm here yes. and I'm going to move through it. Correct. Yeah. I promise I'm not going to go on a big tangent about it, but I'm engaged in this leadership training, like right now where literally like at five 30 this afternoon, I'm diving into 28 hours of training this weekend. One of the concepts we talk about in that training is like step left. And that just means that you are consciously taking a moment to like, to say, I am going to look at what other possibility exists for me right now in how I'm being, and I'm going to make a choice. And like, I'm having a bad day where I'm down on myself or I'm uncertain about something or I think that client's going to fire me because I had to have a hard conversation with them that morning. Then I, I just like, okay, I'm going to step left here. What else is possible? Like, mm -hmm. might I remind myself that the really hard conversation I had with that client is exactly how I want my best friends to treat me. Mm -hmm. And so why am I making up the story that they're thinking about firing me when instead I could make up the story that our relationship is now closer than ever because I gave them exactly the sort of thing I would want to get. And now I'm choosing in a way of being to be confident or to be at peace, yep. to be secure and not to be stuck or, you know, 
beat myself up. It's essentially the story I'm telling myself is, and then you're assessing if it's mm-hmm. a, if it's a lie yeah. or if it's truth. Yeah. Right. Love and that's it. one of the things that we talk about when we talk about imposter syndrome. So Sarah does a great part two to what I gave uh, the talk that I give about imposter syndrome. Cause I talk a lot about like identifying it and steps to start to come out of it. And Sarah talks a lot about like the, like the more in depth of, of moving really through. how to move, move through it. So um, let's get her on the roster to speak at triangle right, business, program. which we found out by accident because I, the opening came for to to speak and I was like, I can do it. And Anna was like, what's your topic? And I was like, Ooh, I want to do something different. So like I brainstormed with a couple people and Dominic and I both, he was like, let's talk about him. You should need to talk about imposter syndrome. And I was like, okay, because as a, as a client, he's actually had me challenge him on some of those beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. Those limiting beliefs. And I joke and I'm like, half my clients end up crying when they're with me Yes, yeah, <laughs> because I, I challenge their limiting beliefs. So he was like, you really need to talk about that. And I was like, okay. So I put the talk together and then I saw that Sarah had done a talk on imposter syndrome and I was like, oh, I'm not going to watch that because I don't want it to like, I, I want them to be, you know, separate. But then I watched it and I was like, oh, like, you, you know, it's interesting. It's a good Scott, compliment. It's like, thanks to you for, for, for providing that platform for that. Because you know what happened is she was like, hey, I'm talking on Friday. And I was like, okay, I want to support you. So I'm going to join in. And no, I'm the only one that would get her to put a bra on before eight o'clock. That's for- what I told her. I said, I have a bra on and it's eight. It's before eight o'clock and only for you. Cause I love you. But you know, what was interesting is that when you were presenting, one of the first things you said is I didn't watch Sarah's because, and you're texting me and you're like, I didn't watch yours. Yeah. I didn't like want to steal, steal your stuff. And I, it hurt my heart a little bit because I was like, Oh my God, sweetheart. I hope to God you were not thinking about that like are worried about that mess at all. Right. But that's because it speaks to like what happens when you do have those limiting beliefs and you're feeling like that imposter syndrome is right. You know, somebody's going to find you out. Like they're going to think that my shit's bad because I took it from Sarah. Right. Right. Like, it's it, it, it I totally, was totally was. amplifying those beliefs. Yeah. Yes. And so I was because and it came to me when I was talking to Tracy that afternoon because Tracy and I had our call and I had told you I was like, I don't care how people get the message, whether they right. hear it from you or whether they hear it from me. We just want people to get the message. Right. We want them to learn the skills. Who gives a crap who's saying it right. as long as they hear it and they get it. And but it's like that goes to show those platforms that Scott creates our collaboration because mm-hmm. We have that special relationship where we, it's not competition. Right. And it doesn't matter who said right. it. It just matters that people hear it. And then from that birthed the two part of yeah. like your part was so awesome of uncovering it is in the avatar. And then that collaboration birthed something even bigger. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. Yes. I have the chills. Thank you. Scott. I completely Thank you, Scott agree with what you just said, Sarah, about, and I, and I, this is a big block for me sometimes too, is like, you know, I'm really, really big on like cite my sources and talk about where I learned that. And, you know, like from the very moment we started this conversation and I've mentioned that thing about, well, Bill Davis says, bring your own sand to the beach. Right. And it's kind of like Bill would probably be the first one to be like, well, I heard that from somebody else and I never told who I got it from. We start to forget who we got it from. Right. right? We're like somebody from somebody (laughs) at this thing where somebody said the thing with the thing. Yeah. It's a good reminder, though, that there's like a core, there's this question that I I, I heard, I can tell you where, but I'm not going to, um, <laughs> way early in my coaching career about, the question was, what business are you really in? And my answer to that question is, 
I'm in the wisdom transportation business. Yes. And <laughs> getting it from point A to point B is what's important. The name or precise location of point A is actually not that important. Yep. And uh, wow, I love that the wisdom transportation that needs to go on your business card somewhere (laughs) or some things. So, like, one of the really cool things about Scott that you can't see through the podcast, right? Because this is a listening platform, not a watching platform. And because of COVID, he is at actually his house, which thank you, technology. So, we're zooming him in for this, but. He has this really cool tattoo. So like we have a synchronicity about like guiding and, and, and like with the compass. Right. But what's the scale? What's that scale thing that you, the numbers, what are the numbers on your tattoo? The the Colby A index. The Colby A index. So he actually has like whatever the, he'll explain what that is. But I know I was like, I have no idea what this is. Right. So he actually has the numbers tattooed on his compass tattoo, which I also have a compass (laughs) tattoo. Nice. And it was funny because I I feel like like I had started going to Triangle Business Breakfast and it was in colder weather. So my arms were always covered. And then I got this like message one day of like, hey, I decided to go get my tattoo because I saw yours on your arm. And like he had been planning it out forever. And then like saw my compass tattoo. And I was like, oh my God, like how do I... How does that even happen? But so tell us about the Colby A index and why you have the numbers of the Colby A index tattooed on your arm, you wisdom transportation leader with your compass. Well, I will, but first I I wanna it's kind of adorable, my little story about the tattoo thing also. It's like my wife has several tattoos and hers are really cool. And this is the first tattoo I ever got. And I got it about, I guess like a year and four months ago or something like that. But but I went to the tattoo place and I was like, I would like to schedule to get this done. And they looked at the artwork and which by the way, my wife did the artwork for my tattoo. And, awesome. and they were like, wow, this is really good tattoo artwork. Whoever drew this really understands how tattoos work. And I was like, <laughs> yes, that is correct. and they were, and, and they were like, so what are you doing right now? And I'm like, Oh, uh, but I hadn't really planned to have it right now. Yes, They're like, well, the, guy, yes. the guy you want to have do it is free. It's only going to take a, you know about an hour and you should just go for it. And I'm like, but I thought my wife was going to be here to hold my hand in case I cried. Yes, I feel you on this so much. I so relate. <laughs> but I was like, well, I guess I better put my big boy pants on and just try to act like I'm not scared to death. Um, and it was fine. My, my, my tattoo artist was like, this is a good place to get, it's on my forearm. They're like, this is a good place Mm -hmm. to get your starter tattoo because it doesn't tend to hurt that much. Um, And he was right. Um, Anyway, the, so the Colby A index, I don't have time to go into a lot of depth about it, but what it really defines is like your comfort zones. And since we already talked about how like, you're probably not going to have a lot of growth inside your comfort zone. You're probably not going to make a lot of changes inside your comfort zone. So it would be really important to understand where they are. And that's not because like, I think you should live outside your comfort zone. It's like, if you lived outside your comfort zone, then that would be your new comfort zone. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but, you know, but, it's but like, fluid. it's good to understand where it is so that you know when you're out of it and you know you're allowed to go back in it and recuperate. Yes. 
I'm Sadie Harper, owner of Interior Harmony, offering interior design services for the Triangle area since 2009. I specialize in room plans and design style assessments for the room which just will not come together, customized to your individual tastes and budgets. I love mixing design styles and sourcing unique fabrics for one-of-a-kind custom upholstery, bedding, and window treatments. The end result? A room which looks and functions the way you want and need. Your home is your canvas. Show your style. To set up your consultation, email me at design at interiorharmony-nc.com. You know, Jenny's had the chance to see me in person loads of times, and I'll just represent to your audience, like, I'm pretty much always dressed about the same way, which is I have like a golf shirt on that has my company logo on it, and I have a pair of jeans and I have a pair of dad shoes that my kid says are barely acceptable to wear in public. <laughs> That's how I'm comfortable, right? And and I've had some people be like, gosh, Scott, I thought a, a business coach would wear a suit most of the time. I'm like, well, maybe you know better business coaches than me, but I own this company and I get to define the dress code. So yes. here it is. I own a suit. If there's a wedding, right. I don't necessarily <laughs> wear my company logo shirt and a pair of jeans unless but they tell me. You would ask first, is a suit required? Because I might rather wear a collared shirt and jeans and my dad's shoes. That's awesome. Right. That's awesome. Right. Well, and I love but, it. But I mean, like, I'm not miserable the whole time I, I'm at the wedding because I'm wearing a jacket and a tie. Right. Because I know I only have to be, I say have to be, I, I'm going to be there for four or five hours maybe. Yep. And hell, by the time I'm done on the dance floor, the jacket and the tie are probably off anyway. Yep. But in case they're not, then when I get back in my truck, the first thing I do is off comes the jacket, off comes the tie, and I can move back into my comfort zone. And that's the way I feel about it. Like, if everybody was really clear on what their comfort zones were, they'd know why they were cranky. Yes. Okay, so perfect well, time. Hold on, he has oh. to finish telling you about the Colby oh, A index. Sorry. Well, so anyway, it's, it's, it, they measure four things. It gives you four numbers. They're a one to 10 scale. And I, I started years ago saying to people, life would be much easier to navigate if everybody had their Colby scores tattooed on their forehead. <laughs> and since I decided not to get my tattoo on my forehead, but instead on my forearm, that's it. where I got the numbers. But Can I like Google this and take it online? Is this kind of some little assessment I can I think it? everybody should take it. Yes. It's, like 50, it's 50 bucks. It's K-O-L-B-E-A. And it's kind of weird. Like people often tell me like, it was very difficult to make the distinctions between some of these things. I'm like, I get it. It's a little wonky, but the good news is you only have to take it once because uh, these things are very ingrained in us. And unless you have a traumatic brain injury that completely changes your personality, they're going to stay the same for the rest of your life. So I encourage people to take it and get that information. Well, I love what you said about the comfort zone and it's so timely because legit just yesterday. And this is what I love about the synchronicity of the universe is just yesterday I got off a call with my business strategist and he was like, okay, there's a new app I want you to get on. It's called Yay Stack. And he's like, you know, it's a referral app. So I go on and I'm like, okay create my little profile and I'm already resistant to it because I'm like one more freaking app. Like, Oh my God. I was feeling the resistance as I'm sitting here going, why the fuck is he suggesting a new app? Yes. And I'm like Like, one more thing to keep up with. Like so annoying. So I'm like, okay, I get on there. I do it, make my profile. And then I'm trying to figure out 
Because basically people ask questions and you answer the question real quick. And that helps you build your reputation essentially. And we're, you know, then they're like, oh, this question is so great. Blah, blah, blah. Well, when I go to click to answer, it brings up the camera to take a video. You answer it through video. And I was like, son of a bitch. That means <laughs> I have to be video On. ready. Yes. yes. And I was like, no. It's late. It's at the end of the day. I wanted to type my answer really quick. Right. Close the app and work, move on that with my day. That needs to come with a warning. Yes. And I texted him and I was like, damn you. I said, you are trying to push me outside of my zone and stretch me. And I was like, I don't want to have to be camera on every time I go to answer one of these damn questions. I want to hide behind my phone and type out the answer so I have time to think. And so right. I can reread my answer to make sure it's clear and concise. And then, but like, I was like, I don't have well, makeup on. I'm freaking tired. I can't the, bring the energy. It's the choice factor, <laughs> right? Because I wear makeup every day. And I wear makeup every day because I am usually on some kind of video call, right? And there was, a, you know, or I come to my co-working space and I'm going to see people <laughs> where I feel like I have to be on. And on Monday, was it Monday, Tuesday? I actually like didn't wear makeup I didn't I just had on like a ratty t-shirt and ratty pants or whatever you know like and flip-flops just because like I needed a break mm -hmm. and but when you're building a business reputation and you have to be on all the time right like one of the things with the quarantine is that people are like oh I'm in my yoga pants I'm doing this every day like the first week I got over that and then I was back to wearing makeup every day because for me, number one, makeup is a self-expression tool. So what colors I wear, what palette I choose, all of that is reflective of how I'm feeling that day. But beyond that, like, I get to control it, right? I look at my schedule and I say, okay, I'm going to be on this interview or I'm doing this live or I'm doing this client call or whatever. It's not up to some app where I have to go answer a question, Right. Whenever somebody asks, like, do you have a, a leeway time for that? Like, oh, you choose what you answer and stuff. You choose what you want to do oh, on that it. That would drive me nuts. But I, I was not prepared for it. Right. I just thought I was going to knock it out real quick. And it, no, it was a freaking strategic tool on his point of stretching me outside of my comfort zone. I'm a little bitter towards him right now. I can now. tell. Like, Slightly I literally, better. like I was saying, I was feeling the resistance as she's right. talking about it. I'm literally energetically feeling the yeah. resistance to that. But what you just said, Scott, is really helpful because I'm like, okay, it's not that I have to be outside of that comfort zone all the time. I can suck it up and put my big girl britches on for a second and be like, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to suck it up for the two minutes to answer this question. And then I'm going to go back to my comfort zone of not you know, not having to be on and go back into rest and restore. So your strategy makes it feel more doable rather than now I have to be outside of the comfort zone the whole time. Yeah. So thank yeah. you for that. It, yeah, you're very welcome. It, it, it also, the reason I use it as a, as a tool is it tells me what the client probably won't do. If I like, if they're, it's a one to 10 scale, right. And I'm not going to, drag you into what all those numbers mean. But like, if they're a two and I ask them to do something that would be comfortable for a nine, never going to happen. Mm -hmm. If they're a two and I say, can I get you to do something a five would do? They'll be like, okay, one time for a little while. Yep. 
Yeah. And and so it, it teaches me how to treat them, but it also, it shows me like, who do they need on their team? Like, you, look, I'm sorry, but your business requires somebody to operate at a nine on this and you're a two. Mm-hmm. So if you hire a nine, first thing that's going to happen is you're going to fight them all the time. So why don't we hire you a five first? Because they may be able to flex up to a nine once in a while. And also eventually they can meet with the nine and you don't have to talk to the nine. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. We love it. Uh, one other thing came up for me while you were telling your story about that app. And since I'm in the wisdom transportation business, let me push this one across the, across the inner tubes to you and everybody else. Upset happens in the gap between expectation and reality. So you expected you were going to get to type your answer. You didn't get to type your answer. You were upset. Mm-hmm. If your if your strategist had said, "Oh, you're going to need to be on video for this part of the thing," you mean you might have been like, "Well, I'd, re- I'd really rather not." And they could have said, "Well, trust me, it's worth it." But when you encountered that moment of needing to be on video, you would have known about it and you wouldn't have been upset. Now, I'm not saying that they did the wrong thing because I get it that there may have been an underlying lesson there. Right. Right. But as business owners, it would be really part of us to, uh, to set expectations with our clients mm-hmm. all the time yep. so that they don't get blindsided by that. Yep. Yep. So true. Unless we want them to. Love it. Love it. Love <laughs> it. The other question I had for you when you were talking about your start in the entrepreneurial journey is you said it was a stupid business, but it was very lucrative. And I thought that that is so that juxtaposition was so interesting how you define that. So how do you define success? Oh, I mean, I got really clear that the business I used to be in sucked for me because I never got to do the thing I wanted to do most, which was help people. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I know that's like, I have this other exercise I do with my clients called, how do you want to feel? And I told my friend, Jason, I was like, I've discovered that I want to feel helpful and appreciated. And he said, that's adorable. And I said, well, how do you want to feel Mr. Tough guy? And he said, I want to feel victorious. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, um, and it's funny because we kind of wordsmithed it and worked on it a little bit. And it turned out that it wasn't that he wanted to feel victorious. It's that he wanted to feel vital. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is some nuance there. It's totally. why I do that exercise totally. with my client. But I mean, the, the work I used to do as a videographer was I videotaped civil court cases, uh, de- excuse me, depositions for civil court cases. Not like, it wasn't like Matlock or anything cool. <laughs> Hold on. I or just think Matlock was cool. Right. Matlock was probably also not cool. And anybody <laughs> who's younger than me doesn't know Matlock. <laughs> there you go. But, but I mean, the thing was, I was told in no uncertain terms by my clients who were the attorneys. They're like, oh yeah, nobody will probably ever watch this. Like, because- So then there's no purpose. Was, so you're like, now I'm pur- like, there's purposelessness going on here. Like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not like fulfilling any purpose then. <laughs> lawsuits get settled. So there was never a need to show the jury the video that I was shooting. Yep. And it was just like, oh yeah, nobody's going to need to watch this. And we kind of hate that, that we had to have you here. But, you know, it was sort of a necessary evil because this doctor can't take the stand and shut down his practice. So we'll have to show his testimony to the jury if we get there. And I'm like, well, thanks for telling me that you'd rather I not be here and that what I did for you is probably useless. Yeah, yeah. I guess I'll just go feel good about myself now. Like that just was never going to work for me. 
Well, God, you're bringing up so many good points because I think that within itself is so key is that sense of purpose. And so they totally took that away. And so then you're like, well, now this is meaningless. This is not fulfilling. And anything can be fulfilling when it has a purpose, when you feel like I have a purpose. So like with everything that's happening in COVID, I know that I've seen this play out in our own house. My husband got laid off from his uh, nine to five or job right when COVID hit and a bunch of layoffs came. And so then he felt like, well, what is my purpose? Cause as you know, society tells him his purpose is as provider and rah, have your nine to five job. You know what I mean? And I had to keep telling him like, no, this is beautiful. This is meant to happen because it happened right before the boys had to switch to virtual school. And I said, now your purpose is as their educator and as, you know, their teacher to help them. And for him, like, yeah, that was great, but he still needed that provider purpose. Oh, yeah. And so that's when I he got started. One of those too. Yeah, that's when he was like, okay, well, now I'm, I'm doing the mask and selling masks to help mm-hmm. people. And so it was fulfilling the need and his life purpose of helping people and providing, you know, bringing in extra income for the family and things like that. Yeah. And the shift in him when that happened and when you find this sense of purpose is so huge, it becomes mm-hmm. so fulfilling, which is why you were like, this job is sucking my soul out because it was purposeless. But it's also why you found your purpose, right? Like you stood up and were like, I'm not going to tolerate this anymore because I don't like living in this space. Mm-hmm. And then, so I'm going to do something that's fulfilling and purposeful. Yep. Yeah. And, and, in it, I learned a real cautionary tale. And I, I, you know, I'm sure Jenny's heard me say this before, but like it really, that's one of those moments when it really, really sucks to be self-employed because it doesn't matter how bad your attitude gets. Nobody will fire you. (laughs) And, and like, it really took way longer than it should have for me to, to get clear that, you know, this business was not doing anything for me for, from a fulfillment standpoint. And it's one of those things where, you know, I kind of don't really want to work. Let me be, let me be clear about something, right? Like money is not bad. Okay. Money is an excellent mechanism for measuring how your business is doing. It's just that if you're only in it to make the money, like that's not even really a client I want. Now, if somebody says, I want to make a bunch of money because I want to put my kids through school, which is something I never had, or if they want to make a bunch of money because they're really passionate about some charity they want to support, or they really want to make a bunch of money because there's a life that they want to live that is provided by that money. Like, okay, cool. But you know, money is only really useful as a scorekeeping mechanism and a measuring tool because if we divorce it from what it means to have it and to use it for the forces of good in the universe, then I don't know. I, I just don't really buy into making money as an, uh, an end unto itself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 Awesome. All right. So, um, on girls who do, I'm sorry. Thank you for that answer. That was very enlightening. And thank you for the wisdom transportation that you have brought to the podcast. I know. Today. And for those of you guys listening, like, okay, because this is our, my first real conversation that I've had with you, Scott, like in-depth conversation, the things that he is saying, y'all, he is on, like, there's lots of business coaches out there. So right. there's business coaches. And when you're listening to them and you hear them talk, you can tell what level they're at. 
So Scott Moore is at a high level of like, this is a coach I would work with. This is a coach mm-hmm. I would trust. Yep. And so that is from somebody who's been in business for almost 15 years and has been around the block and does this work. So and he's this, also a super cool person. Right. Like the stuff that and he's saying. And he has the saying. cutest dog ever. It's like a, what is, <laughs> and it's he a chihuahua. Has the dog ever. It's like a chihuahua. What is, what's the mix? It's a chihuahua and a pit bull mix. Oh, wow. And he has literally these giant hand sized ears on like a shrunken pit bull body. Like it's, it's, I'll show you the picture. Yeah, That's I was going to say, I'm going to need pictures. I, have, of that. I, I had to get pictures of Wilbur during our session where I took. But if you're listening, yeah. like, and this is your first rodeo, know that this is a coach that's going to take you to the next level and is really going to show up like good high level coach here. There so. you go. Well, that's so. very kind of you to say. I, I, I appreciate it. I've been doing this for a long time. I mean, I've been a business coach since 2011. And, you know, my business has gone through some evolution, but. I've all, you know, it's, it's really easy to stay committed to something when you know, it's the right thing for you mm-hmm. and, um, paying forward the help that I got in getting a lot of clarity about like what I should be doing and what I should not be doing in my business. It's just like, it's one of those things I will never be done paying that back to the rest of the world from the gift that I got. So, yeah. Yeah. um, Jesus. all right. Love it. So on girls, like, I don't know, they, like we're done. That's it. We're just, that's it. Okay. So on girls who do stuff, we do this thing called the lightning round where we ask you a bunch of questions, rapid fire, and you oh, just say cool. the first thing that pops to your head. You ready? Probably not, but go for it. Okay. What do you geek out about? Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. He's a gamer. Gotcha. Like, yeah. And like board games and like, yeah. what is your favorite place in the world? My garden right now finish this sentence if i wasn't doing business coaching i would be a blacksmith so he has has an anvil in his backyard like i have and he has the did you build the the shelter over it he's gonna build a shelter not yet that's the summer project he is smithing like awesome knives and things yeah i could show you one but it wouldn't do anything for the podcast no we're not (laughs) (laughs) what is something no one knows about you what is, I'm, I'm like, do you see this word authentic behind me? I don't know. Like I'm pretty, pretty much an open book. Like not everybody knows I'm a giant fish nerd. I, I like keep an aquarium. There's like a gajillion fish in there. He breeds them. Nice. That. Okay. Yeah. It is um, a good. Yeah. There you go. Not everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And they have an evil cat too. So. Okay. Just saying. <laughs> So note to myself, never go to Scott Moore's house. No, but you have to go to Scott Moore's house to meet Wilbur and and you have to meet his wife. So I'll stay outside. Right. Just ignore the cat. The The cat will run away. It's okay, Sarah. My wife wouldn't let you in the house right now anyway. We're being super. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just go outside and meet Wilbur. I'll just drive by. Uh, We'll just take Wilbur for a run. It'll be fine. What's your number one favorite book? Uh, This one right here. That's not going to do anything for the podcast. It's called The Firestarter Sessions by Danielle Laporte. Nice. Yes. Within arm's reach I'm times. like, and that's how you know he's an awakened man. He's yeah. reading Daniel Laporte. Yes! yes. I know. <laughs> and what is your favorite quote? I always like, if you've got everything under control, you're going way too slow. Oh. Mari Lindretti. Can I ask him the movie one? Yeah. My new favorite one. So my new favorite lightning round question is, if you were a movie, what movie would you be? The Big Lebowski. <laughs> Look at that. Without missing a fucking beat. He did Boom. boom. <laughs> yep. I mean, it's my favorite movie, but like, the, I love The Big Lebowski because first of all, it's super quotable. And second of all, like, if you watch it 
with a keen eye, you realize that like almost every philosophy in the world is represented in the Big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can. I can. Agree I might that. have to rewatch it with that yeah. eye. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it since high school. I know it's been it's been a minute. Yeah, <laughs> I was probably high when I watched it. <laughs> Those days. Those days. So, Scott Moore, how can people reach you? Well, uh, if you want to meet me kind of sort of in person, you can show up at Triangle Business Breakfast, which happens every Friday morning. Right now, it is being hosted online by the illustrious Jenny Midgley. And uh, and when we meet in person, we, we have been at the Maiden Inn, and hopefully we will continue that Maiden Inn in downtown Cary. If people want to reach out to me uh, for anything, if I can ever help you in any way, find me on Facebook. You know, my name is Scott Moore, and I'm friends with Jenny Midgley. That's how you find me. And my my email address is scott at scottmorecoaching.com. Awesome. Love it. Thank you so Two-team much. Scott, two O's and more. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you so much for today. It has been a lot of fun and very impactful and enlightening. So we appreciate it. Absolutely. You guys are a hoot. Thank you, Scott. We appreciate your uh, patience and flexibility and uh, for being just real and raw and being an authentic, connected, loving leader as you are. (laughs) Thank you very very much. Those are the ways I strive to be. And I'm glad if I showed up in approximately those ways on this podcast. Thank you guys so much. All right. Thank you so much. And this has been the Girls Who Do Stuff. Find us on wherever you listen to podcasts and go rate us and go find Scott Moore and visit us at Triangle Business Breakfast. It's super fun there. And yeah, thanks y'all for listening today. I am Jenny Midgley. I am Sarah Madras. And and you you do you, boo. boo. We love making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing to this podcast and follow us on social media. 